you know, a lot of people don't realize that of the largest economies on the planet, 51 are corporations and only 49 are nations. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Jennifer. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today. I am very excited to be here with you, Michelle. Nice. All the way down from Atlanta, Georgia, yeah? No, I'm from what? Galveston, Texas. But it oh, is hot and steamy here, just like it is in Atlanta. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take it. You, you have the same thing. No, we're on the radio. My show's on the radio out of Atlanta. There you go. Okay. Yeah, my, yeah, that's My bad, my bad. <laughs> so give us a 5,000 foot view, who you are and what you love to do. Well, my name is Jennifer Gliegerich, and I'm the founder of Entrepod. So I have a really great podcast, too, that I hope you all get to listen to. And in the background, I have a white glove uh, consulting firm. So we work with businesses that are looking to get funding or get in, bring on investors or exit. And then I also work with investors who have poor performing business assets. Um, and this is because I was a crisis intervention consultant for businesses for 25 years. So if you're on fire and you're like, no money's coming in, I need help. I'm the person who comes in, fixes the processes, gets everything good to where it's strong. And then it makes things a lot more fun. So that that's what I do. And then for fun, and I say this tongue in cheekly. Um, I am. Uh, I was elected two years ago to be a member of Parliament for the world's first democratic digital nation called Escardia, and it was a lark at first. I'd been following this dream of uh, one of the world's. Uh, richest men, Dr. Igor Asher Bailey, who's won several UNESCO awards. He's the father of Star Wars space technology, and he was very unhappy that they took it, and it was militarizing. And then he saw corporates take over, and he said, you know, if we're going to go to space, we have to have an egalitarian sort of scientific, artistic community that is not militarized, and we have to have a society that values all human beings, and we must create the society first to avoid, you know, the Coca-Cola space wars and things that, you know, he could see on the horizon. And I thought this is fascinating. So um, I campaigned and I was elected by over a million people. And then I did very well in parliament because I'm a little worker and uh, I was invited to be one of the 12 members of cabinet. And so I'm now the minister of equity and resources for the world's first democratic uh, digital nation. And we are now vying to be an official observer at the UN. We already have people in the UN and uh, we have many different science uh, facilities all around the world. And uh, in fact, we're doing one right now with uh, NASA. So we have Asgardian astronauts, we have NASA astronauts and uh, cosmonauts from Russia in a controlled isolation experiment, prior to this war is going on, which is nuts, along with scientists from 14 different countries to, uh, you know, monitor the effects of isolation um, on uh, astronauts in, in a space environment. So um, a lot of people find that quite interesting. So I have a lot going on. Right. <laughs> One. Yeah, that's fascinating, too. Yeah, you got a lot of going on, girl. <laughs> it is, but it all it's equity and resources, building wealth and building resources. So part of my job is talking to people about being Asgardians and having businesses. We want to have people to make money in, in, with Asgardia and develop new ways of doing things, things that are based on ethical entrepreneurship, which is what I'm doing right now. And so that took years of trade agreements and lawyering for us to be able to offer an Asgardian thing. So I'm one of my company, Terra Art Global, which is a marketing company, is the third registered company in, Art, in Asgardia. And I'm also a Texas entity and I'm a hub and a woman owned business. So it's bringing businesses into a new world in a new way that eschews what's going on, because I, this isn't capitalism that we're seeing. It's, it's, it's horrible. You have these megalopoly, you know, we're not supposed to have monopolies 
and they're they're government backed. They're skewing skewing free speech, skewing where you can buy, tanking small businesses, tanking the middle class, and that's not how it's supposed to be, you know, at all for anyone. It doesn't help anyone except for maybe ten people, and uh, so we're working very hard. There are very smart people all over the world that they're seeing this and going, we can do a lot better. We even did a universal healthcare test in, in many different countries and it worked perfectly. There are nice. solutions to all of our problems. Yes. If we can break out of these broken landlock based systems uh, that we have, you know, a lot of people don't realize that of the largest economies on the planet, 51 are corporations and only 49 are nations. Say that again. <laughs> of the that. largest economies on the planet, 49 are nations and 51 are corporations. So that when you people say the corporations are controlling things, they're absolutely correct. They economically do. They skew, you know, your vote. You know, we have a great research from Pew Research, and it decides that really the average vote is not skewing your politicians. It's the economies that are. Well, when the economies are owned by corporations, who's skewing votes to make sure that corporations continue just to grow? In fact, since the 1978 CEO compensation has risen 930%. So now the gap between the average CEO and their worker has increased ex so exponentially that is no longer really viable. That's and it's not that I'm against people making money. By any I am stretch. not <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. That's the whole However, idea behind this. Is there is this idea of, but there is enough. So what is your enough when you're talking about trillions and, and you're starving the people under you, you have went outside of what is enough. So there are extremes and we're dealing with some big extremes right now. And that needs that there, there, there is a happy medium and there's more of us here than there are of them. And, and I think it's a global awakening and enlightening. And it's quite painful though, because uh, we have to get through this birth squeeze that we are right now to to get to the better end nice i love this conversation and i think it's i don't know if it's a matter of enough so much as i think that once you've mastered the skill of making money that there's an emptiness that will happen inevitably unless you look at okay now how do i share that knowledge with other people how do i raise that tide um and i think it's just a little bit of history repeating, you know, the uh, Russian royalty, the French royalty, the, you know, any time you squeeze out the majority of people in order to just have a more opulent life is it becomes empty. And, and it was and, empty for them. And they talked about exactly. it being empty for them. I have a great, I, I collect uh, turn of the century little novels and things like that. And I have a book that is so old, I can barely open it. In fact, I probably needed to get it, get it preserved, but it's written by Marie Antoinette's cousin who knew her. And it talks about like the nightmare that was their life. Of course, she's very skewed towards Marie. She loved her, but then there are things you didn't realize that they went through like she didn't say, let them have cake. A lot of people don't realize that. What she said was, but we're eating all these cakes. Let's put these cakes outside because their lifestyle was so opulent. And, but it was open to the public. See, a lot of people don't realize when you were royalty in, in the French court, then that was open to the public. So there were ropes everywhere. So every single meal, her and her husband and people would sit and they would have people gawking at them behind the things and making comments. I had no idea of that. And I was like, really? And then I had to go look it up. And sure enough, you're sitting there as you're just being stared at and gawked at by people and their kids. It was like an open air museum. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, but they're seeing us eat all this. Why can't we just give this to them too? We have all right. this food and it's been going bad, but you see how they skewed it against her. That mm -hmm. was the enlightenment and they didn't like her. She, she had made a lot of statements about that. And um, yeah, they were going to, they were going to, they had it out for her. And then of course there were people, you know, once, once they started, heads actually started to roll, 
it was throwing everybody else in, in the guillotine to try to save yourself, which is ridiculous. But they also cut the heads off of all of her friends. And she only had two slit windows where they were, her, her and I think it was two of the daughters, her sons were taken from her and they put their heads in the window and let them rot. So for years, that was her view. Uh, it was really horrible. So right. I do say the, you know, Viva La France, the Times might need to come back on some, <laughs> some of these leaders, but maybe not to that extent. <laughs> so let's go talk to me about this nation, the digital nation. Is it like an open nation and can anybody join or are they looking yeah. for recruits? How does that whole thing work? Cause I am so oblivious to the whole digital yes, world. Yes, actually. Um, Anybody can go on. In fact, I have a company that I'm currently working for a contract right now to the company, and I may not be able to be a minister anymore. I don't know. They have to do the law. See, we're still in making laws really takes a lot longer than most people think. I've got an entire thing on just being in parliament. How difficult is it when you have people that are socialists, people who come from communist countries, people come from capitalism I'm in a mix, their idea of how it should go is very different. And compromising is very difficult on that scale, but it's also very rewarding. I've learned so much from, from other cultures, but uh, yeah, you can, I, I basically went on and I thought, okay, I'll just join. So I just signed an, an email list and then I decided to pay the resident fee and there is a constitution and I had to agree to it in the constitution, which of course has been looked at by many. We have some of the world's best lawyers. Uh, it does not affect my earthly status, you know, so I'm still a Texan and I can still be an Asgardian because it's a different type of nation. We're basically creating a new what is going to be the, the, the future. And uh, so you just sign to that and you pay and then you become a part of it. And so I'm trying to work with people to do it more open. I would like to have live events and bring people to my events, talk to them about it, uh, get more uh, experts in in different areas. We have mayors all over the world. We have one of our mayors is uh, is here at NASA, not far from me in Clear Lake, Texas. And we have, we have mayors everywhere, but they're not... I would like to help them with their communications because like you, you don't know about this and I want more people to know about it. A lot of people in space know about it. People that are, you know, like Spaceborne United, people know of Dr. Egobert um, because they're in the Netherlands and their office looks like an entire spaceship and he's working to get the first human in space, which is one of our core goals, right? So he's been doing that research and he's gotten millions of funding and now he's has an agreement with, with Canadian space to work on this one project. So people come to us from these different projects you know, the space elevator people, they've heard about us, the people that are building the new space station, they end up hearing about us because we're involved with that. Our prime minister, her husband is a cosmonaut and she was the head of UNICEF for Europe. Um, she's written many books. She's you know, got several MBAs and PhDs. She's very well known, uh, Lena DeWin, and uh, she's our prime minister right now. Or people in the UK know about us because our head of parliament was a member of British parliament for over 13 years. And he's kind of like a celebrity. Everyone knows him. He's on TV all the time. He's dated some very famous people. And both of his parents were world renowned mathematicians. So if you're following that science and technical thing, or you follow the people in parliament, we have a lot of people in parliament that are members of government all around the world. I've met several Nobel Prize winners winners who are members of parliament. Uh, Dr. Flores writes is our minister of science. I'm the minister of equity resources and he's head of the largest European space institute uh, for the effects uh, on humans in, in different space physiognomy. And he's also a lecturer and professor at the University of Antwerp. And of course, a lot of people know him through that. He's, he's often highly quoted. He's done incredible worldwide research. So a lot of the people like that, they, that's how they come to us. Wow. So is it, <laughs> no, I'm going to dumb down and uh, is it, can you just search them on Google and go to a go website? Go to Esgardia.space, <laughs> like literally go to Esgardia.space. If you go to my website, entrepods.com, you'll find a lot about it there. I talk about it, like what I'm doing and uh, how to get there. If you want to know how, 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 if you actually want to be a resident, just call me up and I'll walk you through the process of it. <laughs> 
but I mean, I do that all the time for people as well. It's, it's really rewarding. It's very rewarding to awesome. build something new because, you know, we were told, uh, oh, you don't like this internet and you got censored. We'll build a new one. Like that's easy. Like people can just do that. Oh, you yeah. don't like that bank because they won't, uh, they won't send you your money and they locked you out because they didn't like a post that you put on social media. We'll build a new one. Oh, you don't like your government because they're doing all this stuff. We'll build a new one. And a bunch of smart people very long time ago, you know, I said seven years ago, saw that this was going to happen. They said, okay. <laughs> and, and I'm part and of them. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that, I guess, begs the call question. Does that tie into um, cryptocurrencies and like the, uh, an we economy has to exist? Yeah, we, we stay out of crypto. We have a, we have a digital currency, Solar, but it is EU backed. So we're hard currency back mm-hmm. in a traditional digital currency that's hard, hard back. We're staying out of crypto for right now. It's very new. And also too, uh, Michael Torino is our head and our minister of safety and security. And he follows a lot of this. And he's, he's a United States expert on safety, security, and cyber uh, crimes and things like that. And so he, he's a very, he's very good. We have a big team um, here and around the world that, that look at that. And there have been some huge hacks in crypto. I mean, people were losing everything overnight. I mean, we've had in the last three weeks, I forget, I have notes here from our last ministry meeting. And he was like, yeah, that guy committed suicide over there. It was 51 million overnight because blockchain is not this unhackable thing. You know, somebody can go in and they went in and they were able to take over 51% with a couple of keystrokes. We're talking billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and so needless to say, until that can get changed in the current economics can get changed. I am personally more of a fan of NFTs because NFTs have utility. So I understand NFTs from the utility aspect, but I understand fandoms in a way that some people don't coming from, you know, kind of a gamer background and how people can get so excited about it. You know, I remember meeting somebody who was into stamp collecting Mm -hmm. and they just went on about their stamps and this and this, and then this stamp was done here and they were so sweet. Right. (laughs) And it just dawned on me, like there are all these worlds out there. That's Mm -hmm. a whole world of people. And all they do is talk about it. They get together. They're passionate about it. And that is a whole different world removed from me who knows nothing about it. Mm -hmm. But now they have NFTs. So you can get an NFT of a stamp that can be hard backed by an actual thing that is also backed by events and places you go. So I was talking with Katie Chanakis, who um, was the face of Jimmy, well, not the face, the feet of Jimmy Choo, but she was also a very famous model. She's on Law and Order, and she's got like a couple movies coming out. And she was on my podcast, and we are going to be in a women's collective uh, of podcasters as well. Her and I just hit it off. And she has NFTs in her space and several different platforms. And so they're beautiful pictures of her. Obviously, she's you know, a beautiful woman. Um, but then she also has her art. Some of it, they will get her hard art. But then they also get chances to speak with her on Zoom and these activities. And then she has live events. So that NFT, when you buy it, you're now one of them. That is your ticket and your passport to get into things to where you are now part of the world of people who like what you like. So when I realized that I started looking at space, there's some very interesting space ones. There's some very interesting collectibles that that people do. There are interesting ones just in business. And uh, in fact, I'm I'm thinking about what NFT am I going to do? I would love to be able to help entrepreneurs and startups all over the world on, you know, breaking through limiting beliefs, going and getting funding and being able to build that infrastructure that they, that they need to do in order to, to get, you know, and, and start to build a community through things that can, that'll be investments for them. So, yeah. Nice. I love that. Well, and you bring up a whole new subject because to me, when I first heard about crypto became highly fascinated, even more so fascinated about economics than it was before. And a lot of people don't realize that a fiat system is basically a debt-based money. So when I borrow money from you, then I owe you money. That money becomes more valuable to you, but less valuable to me because now I have to work harder to be able to give you back the money that I had before. Like there's this whole kind of convoluted um, comprehension that needs to happen, in my opinion, when, when we're talking about money and economics. And what's fascinating to me that you bring up is this whole idea or notion of collectibles. People have been 
you know, making money off of collectibles forever. And it has really nothing to do with the monetary system. It's completely outside the monetary system. And it has to do with the value, literally, that I have in something. And I, I keep trying to explain to people that money is just a symbol of the value that I put on something. Like right. I, I value a $10 bill more than I value a $1 bill. It has nothing to do really with the numbers that are on it. And it allows me to then give somebody more value. I value that thing. And you say, yeah, that to me is worth 10 of those. That thing is only worth one of those to me. And it doesn't matter what that thing is. But when you understand the backing of it, then you understand the value of it. And collectibles, you've just, <laughs> my brain just exploded and went, oh my God, that's, that's it. And NFTs fit beautifully into that because you have this ability to be able to create, to hold, to um, demise it. So then it creates a stability unto itself based on how many people value that particular currency. Right. And okay. it can get de devalued too, but just yep. like a dollar can be de devalued. We can go to xc.com and put in the dollar to the ruble or dollar to the, the kronar or whatever. And that value goes like this all day long. It's changing. So it's the same, you know, it's just the mindset of money. You know, how I grew up and what I was taught about money is actually has nothing to do with that. It is, it was a set of beliefs that was just not true. It seemed common sense, but money isn't actually common sense. So the way rich people are taught about money and risk and the way, well, I would say legacy wealth are taught about it. And the way the majority of people are taught about it are totally different. And these myths keep getting perpetuated in our media, in everything we read, in everything we do, uh, these business methods. In fact, I have a good giveaway, you know, uh, that you'll get the link for that, that talks about the three myths of ethical entrepreneurship. And one of them is that there is some, there is some nobility in poverty. That is absolutely uh, something we have to get out of our brains. There isn't. Rich people are evil and poor people that are starving to death are somehow noble. The meek shall inherit the earth. But that is mistaken so out of context. And who is the one that's telling us this? It's the media and it's all these people. And who owns all that? Why do they benefit off of us believing that? Well, they do. And so it's not true because those rules are not being followed by them. And we need to see this. We need the spotlight. We need the light to shine for the transparency. And it's happening right now. It's very exciting. And Wall Street bets and GameStop and AME really put a spotlight on this system. It's not that the poors don't have financial literacy and we're stupid, right? When the poors meaning anyone who, who has a net worth of under 500 million, because, <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Obscure. Yeah. Right. So we're talking this very tiny percent and there's everybody else. Even if you think, Phil, you're very wealthy, you're not wealthy. Like the people I'm talking about that really control, control things. And so when that came to light, and people obeyed the system. They were working the system. They were doing exactly what the system was attended to. And what happened? They got shut out of their accounts. Mm -hmm. And because they were causing the, the people that they didn't want to lose money to lose lots of money. And instead of selling back and getting pressured by all these people pressuring them to sell, 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 all these individuals across the world said, no, we're going to, we don't care if we go broke and it devalues tomorrow, we will hold this forever, but you are going to lose like we have to lose. And it was beautiful. <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful. And they didn't lose. And they saved that company because it isn't fair that a billion dollar hedge fund can go on to MSNBC or CNN on their market watch and, and say, they say with open disclosure, yeah, we're looking at uh, Bob's hardware and it was going strong for a while, but we kind of think it's not going to be doing that. So we're going to probably be, be working on the other side of that. That's somebody we're watching is, is a stock that's going to decline. Well, guess what? They're gaming the system. They are insinuating the stock will fall. Other people go and just dump their stock and then they buy it and they short it and they do everything else and they knowingly pick a company to tank and then they make tons of money on it. So people were watching it. They were seeing what they were going to do and they went ahead and changed that. 
which is allowable. It's totally legal. It's absolutely right. They would have lost that bet, but they didn't let him uh, lose that bet. And so that was very interesting. And I loved it because now we have different conversations about money and more people are realizing the, the truth about money and mindset of money and how we can apply it to our businesses, the power of entrepreneurship, the power of ethical entrepreneurship in businesses and the ones that aren't doing that. And this great resignation wasn't a great resignation. It was a great shift from old uh, you know, political backstabbing sort of systems that had glass ceilings for too many people into healthier systems and newer ways to do business and ways that honored the planet more. For the majority of white collar workers, you don't need to go into the office. We have the technology now for decades that had, well, for a de not decades. For yes, at least, for decades. Yes, maybe we have. For <laughs> maybe for decades. I say maybe 10, 10 years, because I've been scaling remote companies for 10 years. So I know for a pure decade that mm -hmm. most people could have been from home from the technology that we have. I've scaled companies, taking people off a of brick and mortar into this with great success. Mm -hmm. There, But it's a totally different mindset to manage them. Emotional intelligence, which I just made an, an emotional intelligence post on Elon Musk, because he said, you're going to have to go back to work. This just happened. So whenever this post will happen, but right now, uh, uh, two days ago, Elon Musk said, well, I'm going to fire everybody who doesn't come back into the office. Right. And I said, you just have bad managers. If they're not producing, you need to get rid of them. You need to get managers who understand a remote environment. And I got so much flack from a certain subsection of people saying that's just lazy people. You just don't want to work. And I said, no, actually, if you have the right managers in place, you'll work harder because I said, but in political offices where backstabbing and slack are the norm and these golfing outings are the norm, managers do not like remote work because they have to actually work harder. They manage more. You have to have better emotional intelligence. You have better communication and you also have to hire better people. There are many companies who have Peter principled their managers to where they are unfit for their position. And so what do they do? Anyone on their resume that might be a threat, they do not hire them. And they don't inaction HR to say, you know, uh, Susie would have been great. Why didn't you like her, Joan? Well, because Susie's actually more qualified for Joan, probably would take Joan's job. But and uh, Joan knew that. So that's why Susie didn't go. Right. And so in a remote environment, it actually behooves you to hire the best of the best because they value their job and where they're at. They're highest producers, not clock watchers. And so it's a very different way to manage. And if you don't have the managers in place or you have poor managers, they're going to want people back in the office to keep an eye on them because really keeping an eye on them means keeping everybody in their place. And so I was amazed at how much pushback I got from people on the old way on that. Nice. I, I love that you get pushback and I love that you don't care. <laughs> Not at all because we That's need to have these conversations, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. And I, Every person I talked to about becoming an entrepreneur that had a corporate job, one hated going to work every day or realized they just couldn't go any further and had to become an entrepreneur because that's where you get the freedom to be able to kind of fly. And your success or demise is on your head and you got to figure out how to make it work or not. And, and that's a, a very powerful and frightening position for most uh, business owners and corporations for people to be in. And they don't want you thinking for yourself and they do everything in their power to be able to diminish that and demise it, which is why people hate corporate jobs. <laughs> it's like, well, because come on, corporations people. stop taking care of their people, right? right? There is nothing wrong with, with an employee mindset and going in and doing your job. I need those people. They're great, wonderful people, right? Of but course. when corporations stopped honoring them and started doing the Enrons and the WorldComs, I had to do an outsource for that. And I fired like a thousand people over a three-day thing, me and a team. It was absolutely freaking horrible. And I had to do it in Houston. It's amazing. I didn't get shot. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> right? you've, you've lost everything. Everything you ever saved is gone. Here yeah. is a severance that's not going to last you. Your 30 years of devotion meant nothing. I mean, I couldn't say it like that, but yeah, that's but exactly what happened to those people. And it was freaking horrible, right? right? And so when that started to happen, why would you give your entire life with it? Anything somebody could say, oh, we're an at-will employer. 
hmm, okay, well, that makes a big difference in how much I'm going to invest of myself in the majority of my day. I will come in, I will work these hours and I'll do what I'm set and then I'm going. Don't call me, don't text me, don't ask me to invest. I will do what you pay me for and that is it. And they kicked out innovation by, by those terrible things. Now there's companies that don't do that and they're thriving. You know, I think of Parky Warner or Warby Parker, Warby Parker, SoulCycle did that for, for a while. I think they've hit like a little bit of a wall, but there have been some very interesting companies that came through and all of a sudden they, they exploded with people really wanting to invest in them because they, they, they offered them equity or they offered them, you know, proof and money Mm -hmm. you know, and valuing in order to be able to build their startups, even if they didn't have it at first, they gave them the opportunity if something allowed for it, for there to be something on the other end. And they value people and they value their creativity and they value the efforts that they're putting in and they acknowledge those efforts that they're putting in. Like to me, it's not that hard to keep employees happy. You value what they do and you let them know that you value what they do and you show appreciation. (laughs) Like it's not that hard. And no, it like, isn't hard. You pay them a fair wage for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You don't let them go forever without any sort of income or a bonus or, or something. Or acknowledgement you know? or con- communication or like something. Yeah, right? no, it so, isn't. Even when you're struggling, there are still ways to honor people. And I've absolutely. had struggling startups and I've worked with struggling startups where I thought, man, you're not being valued with the pay at all, but there's not enough money to go around. So do we want to end it or do we feel like there's enough buy-in here and how can we reward them? And that is when giving a percentage of profits and working with a good accountant. Mm -hmm. And I love the profit first model. So if you can get an accountant that does profit first and you can say, okay, but a portion of this has to go to them, even Mm -hmm. if they're only going to split the $15 profit we have, let's do that. So they can see, you know, go to the people Say, yeah. hey, this is what we're looking at. Anybody got any ideas? How would you like this to be positioned? Because they can always leave. <laughs> if you don't like it, you can always leave. But when you give, when you include people in that conversation, it allows them to decide and 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 be heard in the company. And more often than not, those are where the awesome ideas come from anyway. So why wouldn't you do that? Why don't you want to innovate? People get right? very afraid of it. And someone said, well, it's, you know, he's something and I like, and I said, well, wait a minute, if you're the smartest person at your, at your office or your company, then you're hiring wrong. You right. should, the owner shouldn't be the smartest person. You should literally look to hire smarter people than you, because isn't the object to get a good exit. That should be the ob- object to either get bought out, to have some really great thing to where everybody can get a good payoff or they can move forward with this new company or you exit it or they take it over or something. The object is to reward yourself enough, but to get great people in there. So stop mm-hmm. that thinking. It's it's just the it's wrong think because we don't have the world that we used to any, anymore. It has mm-hmm. changed forever. And we can't move forward with the old mo- business models because when anyone points back to Ford and things like that, they had child labor. They forget that there were tiny little eight-year-olds in those factories dying on the floor that were taking their tiny little fingers to machine those parts. So why do we wanna go back to, to slave wages? And that's exactly what companies are doing. They're literally moving out of America, going to countries that have human rights violations, that have open pollution, the biggest polluting countries in the world. And they're not getting fined for that at all. And people still want to buy those products and not feel guilty about it. So we have to have these conversations to put that shame I don't care. Let's shame and guilt them and say, yeah, that's BS. You're going to go to a factory with suicide nets and then you're going to tell us about how eco-conscious you really are. What? Right. And we need to push back on that and we need to vote with our wallet on that and we need to move forward. And, and it's really small business can, can take it over. That iPhone has not changed significantly in a very long time. And I have an iPhone, unfortunately, and now I can't wait to get rid of it. I've had it for, for three years. I've got the 11, I think, whatever. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when my parents owned their phone for 50 years. <laughs> I still have those, the dial phones, the ones that you go, I have a couple, I've couple, couple of them. They don't work the same. We've tried to hook them up. My son was like, let's hook them up. And so we did, but 
it doesn't really work, but we have made it ring though. Hey, hey. We we're able to make it ring. It goes, <laughs> yes, cool, but, yeah. So talk to me about investing, getting investors into a company to be able to um, strengthen it. Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs are afraid of having somebody else come in and take control. So well, you have to that. set the stage for that. So you need to, to, you know, you get lots of different types of investors and some of them just do an investor, uh, an investment that they need a different payoff on the end. And they're very hands off. They're very silent in, in investing. But then it depends on where you are. So some, you know, if I'm going to con consult with a company, we're going to talk about like, let's be realistic. So the same thing I do in my boot camp, you know, for just solopreneurs and very small businesses a lot of that I do with the bigger companies, just on a bigger scale. So I will do some auditing. I have some really great AI auditing softwares that I use, some of the best in the business. So I'll use that technology along with asking about their mindset on it and to see if <laughs> radical honesty and acceptance are the key to change. Mm -hmm. So if you know you need to get to this point, where are you really at mentally? Some people come to me exhausted. They've lost momentum. There's no electricity in the company. That's a lot of work because they've checked out, right? Mm -hmm. um, and why did they check out? When did it go, go wrong? When did it become hard for them? Was it because they expanded you know, over what they originally wanted to do or whatever? So we have to have a lot of different conversations about the journey to where they come to me and then where they're really wanting to go. And they have to be honest about that. A lot of people come to me with one idea, you know? And then at the end, they go, yeah, I don't really even want that. That's why I wasn't even that excited about it. What I really want is to retire. Okay. It's okay to say that. Right. You know, it's okay to pursue a new dream. So let's talk about how that's going to look. And then we prepare them for a really great exit. And uh, funnily enough, it's the same thing. We build electricity. We build things back up. We make it a more attractive company for them to where money's starting to come in again. It gets more fun. And then they're able to be able to have some power and strength. You always want to deal with the position of strength with investors or with buyers. You don't want to go with your hat in your hand going, can you spare some funding, please? Right. Because then they're going to come in and they're just going to take it, take everything. So you don't you don't want to do that. You want to be be strong and you want to have good contracts and you want to know ahead of time what your your hard lines are. Some people have different hard lines for different types of investors. You know, there are, for example, if they could get an investor like Sequoia they might be willing to give up some control because Sequoia is known to come in. They, they funded some of the most incredible startups. Then you're looking at a company that can take you to a billion dollar company, right? Mm -hmm. And then you could have been a part of that and you would build in your exit for that and see where it can go. But that's, you have to give up a lot. You do because you've created something and now maybe your role is gone. That's yeah. tough. That is a tough conversation to have with yourself. But maybe your role is done, but somebody else can take it to the next level and really have that fly and serve so many more people in a so much more expansive way to the world, right? Yeah. So then you have to have bigger dreams and get yeah. ready for that. Um, and so those are the things that we talk about on that and get them ready so we can plot a, a path for them because there's no right way or wrong way to get investment when it becomes right or wrong is when you don't vet the investors you don't really know what you want or you accept the first offer because you're desperate and you're not a position of strength then you can get yourself into big trouble so we try to avoid those scenarios nice love it well and we've been having this conversation a lot lately in that i don't think entrepreneurs realize that when they are out of their magic sauce moment they're out of their sweet spot that that's when shit starts to go awry that they're they're not having fun they're not doing the company because there are visionaries who love to start companies but as soon as they start to get momentum and they need to systemize and it becomes you know groundhog day they hate it but in order for a company to grow they have to hit that moment but there's people that love to buy companies once they're at that point and love to make sure that the systems are all taken care of and and that's their mojo they just love taking those companies and systemizing them and then once they're systemized and then it's time to you know, scale then they're out of their mojo they don't like that part anymore because now it's scary it's a risk it's whatever and somebody else loves taking the companies to that point and other ones love to sell them 
So I think when entrepreneurs understand what their mojo is, do you love to be the visionary and start things? Do you love to take something that's working and systemize and make it better? Do you love to take something that's good and make it fantastic? Do you love to take something that's fantastic and show it, case it to the world and see how much value you can get out of it? Three very or four different entrepreneurial types. And when you can self-identify where you're at in that, then you know when to get out of the business. It's not so much that you're failing, it's that your business has grown to that point and now it's time to release it to somebody else and that's okay. Yeah, I often take businesses that I'm working with because I'll take one that's like kind of a little bit limping and then we get them systematized or, you know, they're doing well, but they, they, they know that there's some things that they're missing. So I'll go in, we'll audit all the processes, we'll get it all done and then it's time for bigger problems. And I'm like good luck, you know, <laughs> because, yeah, because that's what I like, I like to dig in and fix all this stuff, you know, and, 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 and so that's, that's where I'm in the pro in that process. And neither one of them is better or worse than the other one. It's all what your joy is. And there's room enough in the space for everybody. So, but yeah, knowing where you're at and knowing where your strengths are, knowing you is really important. And that's tough. If you've, been an entrepreneur when it hasn't been about you. You've just been working all the time. The kids screaming, you got dinner and, and you have not been an equation for a long time. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that sometimes you have to just grab them and say, okay, now, now it is about you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So I know yeah. our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start the journey with you? Well, I'm going to give you a link so you can get the top three myths uh, and well, Top three ways to become a more ethical entrepreneur. It's a great read. I talk about the myths of business and how we're going to, to change those so we can make money and change the world. So you get that link and you can go to entrepods.com. That's E-R-E-P-O-D-S.com. -E -E I'm at my spelling bee now. You can go there and everything about me is there. Or if you do the at sign at entrepods, all my social media comes up. I'm literally on every platform you can think of. So I have to ask you, where did the name Entrepods come from? Entrepreneurs and podcasting. And I just <laughs> put them together. Awesome. That's I, it. I was thinking it was very French and very exotic. And then I realized that no, it's probably got to do with entrepreneurs and it might be pods, like putting them together in communities or. <laughs> so that's what it is. I wanted to do a podcast about entrepreneurs. And then I thought, well, that's a good enough name. I can just name the company that because during, um, COVID, I had to close two businesses and I was not happy about it. Uh, one was a travel agency. It was a cruise planners, American Express, one of the top 25 franchises you can own for the last 30 years. Loved it. Incredible organization. But I only got paid when people got on the boat. I'm in Galveston, Texas. I specialize in cruises and I had to let that go because I couldn't pay the royalties oh. and I couldn't keep it going. And I cried bitter tears over that one. You know, I wasn't making hardly any money on it, but even for my own travel, I just loved, I loved the organization. I thought it would be my, my retirement and I'll probably buy another one later. So I was sad. She rolls her eyes. It was horrible because <laughs> I'm mad. And uh, the second one was going really well, but I had two partners and I had said at the beginning of the year before COVID, I said, I no longer want to do business with people. I, I only want to do business with people I like, know, and trust. I want us to not pay any more money to Google or Facebook. I want us to pursue affiliates and I want to work on uh, giving back to anyone who refers to us. So all that ad money can go back to our clients to refer us or to affiliates and doing it a different way. And the podcast, you know, I think 67% of my sales came directly from the, the podcast I had at that time. It was under a different name. And they ended up when COVID happened and 15 days became 30 days to stop the spread became 60. And I was like, we're going to have to do some serious pivots because it was asset protection for real estate investors. And I had lawyers and I had paralegals that I paid. I'm, I'm an expert like in that niche for anonymity and protecting businesses. I'm very good with contracts. And that's why I'm good in crisis intervention because I can go back through all that stuff. Right. And uh, they ghosted. They just ghosted. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get a loan when nobody's willing to sign or saying no. And eventually they said, why can't you just work for free until we get out of this? They actually said that. And I went into executive co coaching because I have a coach. I'm a coach who has a coach. If you are working with a coach, they don't have a coach. Don't, don't be with them. And I was, I could not see the forest through my own trees. I was like, I had to close this. All this was happening. I was panicking financially. I was like, I'm going to be bankrupt and totally insolvent. 
And then they were like, well, you got to close it. But what? I mean, this is, this is, everything is in this. How am I going to close it and pivot when, when they're ghosting and I'm going to be owed all this money? Well, I don't know, but God, I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, they said, what would you tell a client? I knew right then I had to close it because that's exactly what I, yeah, told yeah, yeah, I, I, I needed that room full of people going, what would you say, yeah. you know, staring right. at me and, and me going, yeah, I have to take my own advice. I was scared. And so I did it. And it wasn't until I was on some event, I was actually speaking at an event and something someone else said triggered me. And I went, that's why that business closed. Because at the beginning of the year, I said, I only want to work with people I like, know, and trust. And I repeated it, and I repeated it, and I repeated it enough that anyone that was not in that category separated from me. And it was turned out to be the best thing in the world. And I was able to transform that, take the podcast, and retool it, rename it, but keep the, some of the listeners. And... Uh, and yeah, it's the best thing that ever happened. And it was literally the worst thing that ever happened. You know, it's just crazy. It's right. just crazy. Yeah, it, it's weird. So when you speak things out like that and you mean them, then the universe will make it happen. And if you may not like it when it actually happens like I did, but it's always for the best. Right? So, yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things for people to realize is that the, the worst scenario that we can go through the better it's going to be on the other side. There's always a benefit to a crappy situation and the crappier it is, the better the outcome. And it's, it's a super hard concept to wrap your head around, but almost everybody you talk to and say, Hey, what's the worst thing that ever happened to you? And how did you come out of it? And it's like, Oh yeah, that was the best. And it's like, and it doesn't matter if it's the death in the family, if it's cancer, if it's if horrific stuff. And that's always, always, always the best. So, and I mean, it isn't the best of time. It's not the best. Never the best at the your time. Your spouse say, "By <laughs> the way, the I'm in love with time. your sister, and I'm leaving." You know, like what? You know, no. but but in the end, you know, if and if you're a good person, you know, I have to admit, you know, there. If you're a good person and you know that there is a higher power, and you just sit there and go, just put the, just put the path in front of me, and I don't. It might take me a while to just keep trudging forward because this is hard, and there's many tears but just lead me to where I need to go. It, it does, it does happen. Just have, have that faith because I've talked to hundreds of people on my podcast. I know Michelle has talked to, I mean, she's got how many podcasts, hundreds of people. Right. And uh, we're all saying the same thing and it's not a fluke. It's not just, you know, coincidental. It really, it's really true. So to bring things into a kind of lighter light, uh, do you have an example of one of the foley's that you made as an entrepreneur that ended up being hilarious? And one of the what? Foley's, like one of the mistakes you made in business oh. that ended up being hilarious. Or maybe it was hilarious, but it was a bad mistake. Wow, you just blew me out of the water. Was I supposed to even know? That? Let me think of one of my say. I've made lots no. of silly mistakes. I'm just... I'll, I'll let you oh, think, no. because I think there's a time and a place when people go... Oh my God. So for example, when I was speaking one time and I was explaining oh. the synaptic gap in, oh. uh, you know, when you have mental process, your nerves and you have the synaptic gap and I was drawing this picture and it ended up being very phallic. <laughs> and the audience is killing themselves laughing. And I'm like, <laughs> what is so funny about a synaptic gap? <laughs> like, look at your picture. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I have had a podcast where I've done silly things like that and I can't remember I just they're not coming up because well I am oh, not good. graceful to be so I have a lot of embarrassing moments <laughs> oh I know something that happened this is a good one so this was a very long time ago okay so at the time that we're talking about I was in my 20s I had um a job where I would go door to door selling encyclopedias this is actually a very long time ago right and we had a conference and I, I had a group and we would we mostly 
uh, would drive to neighborhoods uh, that were military neighborhoods and I would park the car and well I would drop my team off and I would go a couple of times a night and they would take uh, a certain um, folder and they'd put it in the door or in the mailbox so I would know where everybody was and then I would knock on doors and I would everybody who had a kid so any of those bubble cars were out or a swing I knew they had kids there and I would have this conversation with them hopefully they'd buy my PF collar but million uh, things and then the next day we could go we would fax in our um contracts everybody we did a contract to that night and the next day we got money at western union it was great money by the way great money but a very long time ago so we had this conference and it was going to help us in our sales game and it was a very professional conference in denver at i so the oleander or the denver hotel i don't know it's right in downtown not far from where the trolleys are frigid cold whatever. So I had this cute outfit on and I'll never forget. It was a turtleneck with a blazer black. I had my hair up on top of my head, really cute. These really cute earrings, a tiny mini skirt, because that was, that was a style. And then I had textured spider web hose, right? Well, I had these red granny panties that helped keep them up. That's all I'm going to say. And they were bright red. So black outfit, but these red granny panties. Anyway, freezing cold. So I decided to go on the trolley with some friends and blah, blah, blah. And I lost my group and I'm outside a lot. It's so cold. I can't feel my legs. And I go in and I'm walking and people are staring at me this whole night. And they, and I'm like, Oh yeah. I look great, man. I look, I'm fabulous. Look at me. I am a professional. And I was a kid. I was still kind of a kid. Right. But I was a professional woman doing professional woman things on a conference in another city. You know, I was like, so proud of myself strutting and I was strutting big time. So past the bar of the hotel, people are staring and I'm like, God, I look good tonight. I go straight into the elevator because now I'm kind of tired, but I'm feeling great. And it's all mirrored. And there I see hanging between my knees are my red underwear that had fallen slowly. And, but my legs are so cold, only being held up the top of them. And there it was like swinging between my thighs, the crotch of these red underwear. So yeah. 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 So they weren't looking at me because I was hot stuff and so professional. They were like, what the hell is that? Sweet. Oh my God. Is that her underwear? Yeah. It happened. Oh, I, I love that you're brave enough to tell that story. Thank you. No, that's not even the worst thing. I'm, I'm an embarrassment. Sometimes. I don't care, but whatever. You know, what are you going to do good, about it? Right. But yeah. But yeah, no, it was pretty humiliating. I remember just laying in the bed going, I can't, you know, I wasn't going to go to any other meetings or anything, but I had to, I had to hold my head up and do it. And no one really said anything. A couple of, you know, the girls said, what was that? I told him and everybody laughed and I got over it. And then I pretended it didn't bother me, but it bothered me a lot. <laughs> well, hopefully it doesn't anymore because it's an awesome Now, now it's hilarious. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, you have been absolutely stunning. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. Any last words for our peeps? Yes. I want everyone to go out and be ethical entrepreneurs. And I want us to change, to make money and to change the world because now is our time to do it. We, all these things that are breaking, all these things we see that aren't working for the world at large, for our planet, for humanity, we, we can change it. We can change it now. Now's the time that we can change it. It's hard and stuff, but we're going to do it. going to do it. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you're looking to scale or automate your business, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.